0: what's his name speak Ed Tate said you connect the dots looking backwards not forwards and so yeah. that's like when I get to a point it's like oh wow this was my setup for success so um, it's, it's really a conversation it'll just be us talking the same way we have been um, yeah, just yeah, just absolutely. just started the project. just press record now so Hello everybody, this is the Dash Podcast. Thank you for joining us for Set Up for Success. I've got a pretty cool speaker here. He's done all kinds of TED Talks. He's been all through Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking. He's a top 30 speaker in the world, a corporate trainer, content marketer. This guy does everything and he's pretty charming while he's doing it. Uh, Daniel, how's it going today?
1: I'm doing good, my friend. How
0: are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, oh,
1: my
0: pleasure. I guess the first place I want to start, I got to see your TED talk a little bit earlier and uh, you're talking about the Mona Lisa and um, taking pictures or, or yeah, taking pictures as opposed to really viewing life as it is in front of you and being present uh, in, in these situations. So I, I did something similar, but my phone actually died. I was in All Florence, right. Italy, and I was going to see the statue of David and I was wrestling with myself if I would take that picture or not. And when I pulled up my camera to take a picture, the phone died. And so I don't have a picture of the day, but I just got to really, I just looked at at the statue for about 15 minutes and really got to take that all in. It's pretty cool how you put that connection together and tied your story into the TED Talk with attention and focus. Um, Where do you find your inspiration for talks like this?
1: Well, oh, it's, it's a good question. I mean that one was a, you know a real transformative life experience for me but it, it's um, yeah most of the time it's something simple like that an experience you have you know an offhanded comment someone says something to you and it just kind of sticks you know and you keep thinking about it over and over again yeah and in, like that particular experience going to, to Paris and to the moment. Mona Lisa and I remember just traveling by myself you know I don't know it just it kind of hit me more than I think Mm. if I've been with with a group or something because I was just looking at everyone else and I thought man this is this is really weird it's (laughs) it's a funny situation and no one's noticing it I wonder if Wonder if anyone else has thought about this, and that's why I kind of yeah. started to craft into a. I think I wrote it first, and then I wanted. I did use it in one of the Toastmaster contests in 2014, gotcha. and uh, in the semifinals. And yeah, I always just got really good feedback from it. People would say, "I always remember that speech." And it's called "Pay Attention" is the name of the speech. Mm. But everyone, it's funny because everyone calls it the Mona Lisa speech. <laughs> you
0: know?
1: and, and you'll know why when you watch it. If you go, yeah. on, you look up "Pay Attention" on YouTube, you'll see it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's funny because I think the Mona Lisa is such an iconic a symbol you know it's, it's known as the most famous painting and, right. and the fact that these people were just missing it even though they were right in front of it and there was a phone between them and the Mona Lisa I thought what a an image and a kind of it encapsulates our modern world in so many ways right know? Right. You see people sitting in cafes like directly across from each other and they're just both on their phone ignoring each other it's so it's so weird you know? it really is but we all do it
0: it really is where where did you get the art of, of storytelling like this and i know you're you know, you're a corporate trainer you kind of you, you speak a lot you speak often where did you get that art to be able to weave? really i guess you're you could say science you know because you're doing the research and it obviously you pulled up those books as well so you've done your research yeah. and you dig on the topics where did you, when did you learn how to make words a, a piece of art?
1: Yeah, I think it was from my writing, actually. It's funny. About, I would say, three, four years ago, I did a coaching session with David Brooks. He's the 1990 world champion public speaking. And uh, he's known for his writing. He did a great, like, his, his championship speech is beautifully written. It's called Silver Bullets. It's an older one hmm. now, but if you watch it, you'll see it's just beautifully written. Anyway, I did a coaching session with him, and um, he said to me, he said, oh, you know, can you send me the script for your speech? And I said, ah, uh, I, I don't really write it down. And he said, mm. oh, okay, well, well, maybe you should start. And I said, okay. So I literally wrote from my from my memory the script of my speech that I'd been saying, you know, over and over again. And, because, and from that, he read it, and we worked on it, and I could see when it was written down, how much it was easier to craft certain sections because you could see the words, mm. and you could start to put it together. And then I started to just read a lot about storytelling, and I read a couple of books about writing, which is something. There's actually, if you go to you know bookstore, there's a section called usually called reference, but they have books about writing. Hmm. And so I started to study some of those in my spare time, and I realised, wow, this is a craft and like you said, it's a science, but it's also an art form, just like speaking is. And so from that, I when I started my blog and I started writing all my new ideas down, I would write them first. And then I would transform them into a speech, and that made me actually. I think I thought about it more, and I think about the impact of, you know, why am I saying this in the beginning? Why is this the middle of the speech? Right. Why is this the ending? What's more important? And the thing you find there's an old saying in in writing is writing is rewriting. So it's kind of and it's kind of what you are speaking yeah. too, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you know yourself if you do a speech ten times yeah. to different audiences, it's a different speech by every the 10th time. time. Yeah. And, and what you have after the tenth speech is a lot better because you've been rewriting it over and over, and yeah. testing things. So yeah, I think that's really how it started. Was just from from him coaching me, and then writing. And, and I had this thing in the beginning when I started my blog. I wanted to write fifty different articles or fifty blogs, mm. and I, I was obsessed about it. You know, and I think it took me about four months to do it. I used to write one every night. And I got to fifty, and I thought, okay, now I feel like I'm a writer. Now I feel like I've got that. I can put that on my, you know, my right. bio and on everything I have. And uh, as well as being a speaker, and yeah, so that's kind of how it started, hmm. just reading and learning about it.
0: Yeah. So you're you're from Australia. Just you know, making sure everybody knows that they probably hear yes. your accent and everything.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm number one. Where are you from in Australia? And number two, what's it like as a speaker or as a storyteller over there? Is it the same here where it's really a lifestyle type of ordeal and people are, are kind of making um, a living based on their, their storytelling abilities and, and art of speaking?
1: Um, I think, well, Australia is a smaller culture, you know, and yeah. in, I mean that in a lot of respects. America, as, a, as you probably know, is a very, you know, it's an ambitious culture. It's got a lot of, um, you know, it's a, it's a big place and like location wise, population size, and just the ambition of America is very big. Australia is smaller in some scale. And I think I never actually did a lot of speaking in Australia except for uh, corporate training. Mm. And, you know, so it was more of a profession sort of uh, for me back then. It wasn't until I came to America and I was here for a couple of years and through Toastmasters that I actually started to speak more in an inspirational style. Yeah. And I think America's more open to that. You know, Americans sort of get, you know, more motivated and charged up by it, and, and they're more open with their feedback. Australians tend to be more conservative. They're more like English people. Mm-hmm. You know, the the old joke is, like, if you ask an Australian, how are you, they won't say good, they'll say not bad. Right? <laughs> <laughs> It's, it means good, but they say not bad, right. and it's kind of the culture, it's this thing where everyone's a little bit more conservative, a bit more yeah. low-key, you know, sort of, um, they standoffish a little bit when you first meet them. Right. So, I never really got out of my shell in Australia in terms of being a speaker, I, I always okay. did consulting or coaching, but I never actually had the courage to call myself a speaker in Australia, it wasn't until I moved here, hmm. and people would just say to me, man, you're a good speaker, you know, you've got to do this professionally, and I'd think, okay, And then I remember the day when I said, I'm going to start calling myself a speaker. Yeah. And that was like probably, probably like mid 2016, you know, when I, when I finally said, okay, this is something I want to be known as.
0: Yeah. 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 That's cool. That's cool. Where are you from in Australia? I've been to the gold, gold coast for a week.
1: Oh, very nice. Yeah. I'm actually from South of there. I'm from Sydney, which is kind of like the, I guess like the New York of Australia, you know, it's a big town. Sydney and Melbourne are kind of like the known big cities in Australia. And then Queensland, where you were, that's um, Brisbane, Gold Coast. Yeah. Gold Coast is beautiful. I, I always think of Gold Coast as like Miami. It mm. reminds me of okay. that sort of vibe, you know? Okay. I a was like
0: 17 back then. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a <laughs> yeah good it's thing. a lot of
1: fun. But Sydney's Sydney's kind of like the oldest, you know, it's got a lot of culture. It's got a lot of nice restaurants, you know, a lot of yeah. beautiful old buildings. I mean, it's, it's a young culture compared to other compared right. to European places. But, yeah, it's got definitely more of that big city feeling. It's just where I grew yeah. up.
0: And in, in, I don't remember seeing anybody that was overweight when I was in Australia. That's, <laughs> that's just another point. To it.
1: That might be true. I don't, well, I mean, I'm sure there's a few, but yeah, you know, I mean, we're, you know, we have we got a lot of nice beaches and stuff. So if you're going to be outside with your shirt off, you know, you
0: gotta, yeah, it was quite you a. You've got to keep
1: yourself. But I think people like whatever Hugh Jackman or Chris Hemsworth or whatever they're putting us all to shame. You know,
0: they're, <laughs> they're all they're all buff beyond. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we are. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. But they've had good starts. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious, Daniel, about the process. You know, before we kind of jumped on the air, uh, we're talking about I'm, I'm in my second year as an entrepreneur. We've got pretty similar careers, if you will. I do some training. You do some training, corporate consulting here, here, there and there. How do you you know, you have your stability and you have your things that you do on the side. What's the process like, one, in, in staying balanced, and two, staying progressive in where you're at?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, like we were saying before, we started, I, I think one of the things that I have learned about myself as a speaker is I like moderation. And I'm not necessarily the, you know, the typical speaker in that respect. I think some people, once they get an audience or they get a message that they want to share, they think, you know, I want to do this everywhere all the time. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, two, two hundred gigs a year or whatever something like that, and that can be great for some people. But the reality of that that comes with it is a lot of travel, yeah. a lot of preparation, a lot of time away from friends and family, a lot of time away from home. And you know, for a while that's okay. If you do it for a couple of months, it's kind of exciting and fun. But if you do it for a year or two, wow, you really start to feel it. And I got a taste of that from my corporate days of traveling around doing workshops and trainings where we would do back-to-back days, you know, four, five, six, seven days in a row. And after the fifth or sixth day, you've just you got no energy left. You're exhausted. And so when I started to do that inspirational speaking, I thought I want it to be something where I just love it. I love going. I look forward to it. You know, I'm excited about the message I'm going to share. And so that became my focus was – if I can do one or two or maybe three keynote speeches a month, that's the maximum I want to do. Right. And that, and that really works for me because I have my profession, you know, where I work as a consultant and I do also marketing and content writing professionally. So, I have those two kind of businesses working for me and you know and, and one of them is more of a job type situation, I have an employer and the other one's more kind of like I'm a independent consultant. Right. But they they work really well where I think it gives me that financial stability And I have enough flexibility working there, where I can be this person I want to be, as well as a speaker. But the nice thing is, if I want to do a free speaking gig for someone for charity, I can do it. You know, I'm not having to say sorry I can't do it because I got to do it. You know, I got to be paid, or and vice versa. You know, if I don't want to do something, I don't have to take it. You know, I can just say it's not for me. I think you'd find a better speaker with a different message or something. So it gives me that advantage, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's pretty cool. What, what about like the, the process that you're going through with speeches? You mentioned the, the preparation time and the energy that it takes to, you know, speak six days in a row or 200 times a year and whatnot like that. How, how long do you prepare and how long do you have to, you know, you could, you don't ever finish a speech, really. You can rewrite it up until the moment you go on stage. But right. how much preparation do you put into each of these engagements?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, if it's if it's a new topic that I've never spoken on, I mean, I would say at least, I mean, at least a month of preparation beforehand. And when I say a month, I mean, it might be like an hour a day, right. you know, so maybe, maybe it's like 20, 30 hours, something like that. It's not yeah. like, you know, nonstop for a month. But that's enough time for me to really understand the content that I'm trying to speak on. And I do speak a lot on the topic of, like we were talking about at the beginning, you know, technology and the way it's changing our behavior. You know, that that Mona Lisa speech is often part of my keynote speech because I describe that as part of one of the stories. So I'm always researching and studying that topic about, you know, emerging technology and how, as human beings, how it's evolving and adapting us as much as we're evolving and adapting it and so that really for me is the biggest part is the preparation, studying understanding what's new and then shaping that into a message a lot of the time, which I'm sure you do too you know, I'm standing in my living room, practicing a speech, yeah. you know, yeah. talking to my couch you know, <laughs> yeah. to my number one fan you know. um, and I, or I, the other thing I'll do because I am a Toastmaster is I'll go out to several Toastmaster clubs in my district and I'll actually ask them, hey I'm going to run this keynote do you mind if I run a section of it You know this five or ten minute section, and I just give them that context, and I say this is part of a bigger speech, but this is a new part that I'm doing. Would you mind if I run it? Give me some feedback. You know, I test some jokes. I see what they like, what they don't like, and then I finesse it from there.
0: Right. And
1: usually after I've done, you know, let's say three or four runs of a speech, I think, okay, now I'm starting to get a feeling for if this is a good part or not.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: And yeah, that's 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 kind of how I do it. I just write it, research it, practice it at home. You know a couple of times, and then I just go out and and I'm a big fan of testing it. You know, I just uh, Ed Tate taught me that. Um, you know, he was my coach for the the contest last year. to. Gotcha. And he just said, you know, the audience always is the authority. They basically they're the ones who, if they don't like something, it goes. Right. So I always keep that. You know, I might love an idea, I might love a certain phrase or a joke, but if it's not hitting, if they're not remembering it, right. it's got to
0: go. Yeah. Hmm. That's yeah. you. And you mentioned the coach too. That 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 was something that. You know you get new to i think my head was so big after the first time i made it to the semifinals that i was like a coach yep. for what you know but, yep. but but a coach makes such a big difference um oh w- yeah what kind of advice do you receive from the coaches that you have in in speaking in other areas
1: oh man so much so it's funny now i am i'm Yeah. i know what you're saying like the first time i 2014 i went to malaysia to compete in the semifinals mm and i thought you know like everyone you were probably the same i thought i'm gonna win the world championship Mm -hmm. this is not one year straight up i'm gonna win this thing you know everyone's gonna you know the balloons are gonna fall from the ceiling everyone's gonna love me you know and then i got in the semi-final and i played third what (laughs) this is supposed to be first place what are you talking about yeah and it was funny because i didn't i I worked a little bit with david brooks on the script that year but honestly i think i did probably you know three hours of coaching with
0: him.
1: and the thing was that year I got to see in 2014, I don't know if you remember, that was the year Dan Anjaya and yeah. won. Yeah. And I was so fortunate because I got to see his semi-final and I got to see the final. And halfway through, I was my mother actually visit. she came from Australia and I came from the US and we met in Malaysia, she came to support me. And we were sitting in the audience and I was watching Dan Andrzejie speak in the semi-final. And I turned to her and I said, He's going to win. And she said, how do you know? And I said, I don't know. I just know he's going to win. Yeah. He's just too He's too good. And it's funny because there was something – it's old cliche, right? I see something in you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's his speech. But there was something about him that was just different. And yeah. it was the, the culmination of years and years and years of work and coaching. Mm. So anyway, over the past couple of years as I've competed and I've become more of a professional, I've been very fortunate to build a relationship with him. So he's kind of like my, I guess, like my almost like spiritual guru slash, you know, like gotcha. um, speaking advisor. Yeah. And then I've also worked with coaches. I worked with Ed Tate very intensely wow. last year. Okay. Um, this year I worked with Presian um, Vasilev. I don't know uh, if you know him. Yep. 2013 world champion. That's the first world and
0: championship I watched.
1: There you go. Yeah. And and I mean, the amount of, uh, you know, ideas that each of them have taught me, I can't even, I mean, I could spend two hours yeah, talking about each of them, but yeah, you know, the, the, the difference in their style as well is astounding because you know, in the early days, I learned a lot from Darren LaCroix and Mark Brown yeah. and a lot of those guys, which just blew my mind. Then I worked with Ed Tate, and Ed Tate really taught me the discipline of writing it down, going from transcripts, going mm-hmm. week after week to clubs, and just running the speech over and over again and you know, finessing every little point. And then working with Presian, it was the same thing. Presian's like a master storyteller. He's just a genius at you know, and he will he will obsess about he. When we were looking at the script this year, if I use the word until instead of saying till, you know, he would say until is too formal. You need to say the word till. I'd say okay. Wow. You know, I mean, it was that detail yeah. and obsessing about you know the way I would I I would use a hand gesture or you know my my eyes the way I'd look at the audience and you know, things like this. So Ed Tate and Presian really coached me that way, yeah. and then the interesting thing is over the top of it all, I've had this coaching relationship with Dhananjay, and he's sort of like my mentor, where he teaches me almost like uh, you know the philosophy of a champion, mm. and the things I've learned from him are so profound. I mean, it, it's just it makes me smile every time I talk to him because he knows exactly what I need to hear. Yeah, and you know, and it was funny because after Vancouver uh, last year, I competed in the in the twenty uh, the 17 contest and I came second in my semi you know so I was getting closer to the final i've come third twice and I've come second once right and uh and I met him out on the street he was actually just kept waiting for his car and I happened to walk past us out with some friends and I bumped into him and he said he looked at me and he said you're on the path brother you just hang in there you know, you're <laughs> right. I know what you're going through and I was like right. sir if anyone if I'm gonna listen to anyone I'm gonna listen to you so you know, since then, I've always had that kind of, uh, as I said, like, you know, he's like my spiritual guru yeah. mentor over the top. So, yeah, I, and, and, you know, I mean, it's cost me money and time to work with these guys. Of course. But, man, it's, it's been worth it. I mean, yeah. the amount of accelerated learning I've had. And the other thing is the accountability. I think, you know, working yeah. with Ed Tate last That's year big. every week. I had to improve every week, I had to get better, you know, so that accountability is big as well.
0: And that's a lot of the, the time, you know, the preparation that goes into to making a speech at that level. You know, these you know, I know a lot of people don't know Toastmasters like that, but you know, every yeah. year there's a six month competition with thirty thousand people that enter it in a pool of four hundred and fifty thousand people in hundred and forty countries and they compete through those six rounds to the top one hundred at the semifinals. And yep. to the top 10 to the big stage in the world champion uh, speakers. So, no, they're, they're all pretty cool. And I remember on, on my route in, in 16, the first picture I actually saw and, and I was listening to Les Brown and he mentioned that he won the Golden Gavel Award. And so I yeah. looked up the Golden Gavel and found Toastmasters and I saw Dan and Jaya, Kelly Sargent, and I believe it was Manoj Vasudevan, somebody around there. Um, and I was like, wow, I need to win that next year. And I, yeah. uh, after the uh, semi, no, after the district, after the state final, I remember somebody telling me, like, you need to talk to world champions. I'm like, how? Send him a message <laughs> on Facebook. Oh, that, that makes sense. So I, yeah. I did that and talked to David Ross, and I talked to Dwayne Smith and Jim Key they all yep. reached back out to me. And over that time as well, I, I've listened to tapes from Darren LaCroix and Craig Valentine, and you mentioned, and watched all these on YouTube uh, yeah. as well, you know, and seeing those. So all those world champions, they have so much so much understanding, so much wisdom. And, and the, the cool thing is they help you to take what you learn in speaking and apply it outside because you're really, you're bringing your life lessons and your life principles Inside of these speaking conversations, but they te- teach you how to take those back out, you know, the small skills, the way that you have to rewrite your speech is the same way that you have to work on yourself and develop yourself. So it's pretty cool to see oh, what you learn 100%. from from yeah. them at, at the same time. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. It's- yeah. Yeah, it's funny there's sort of a joke you know in, in my company people say to me oh how did you get so good as a speaker and i'm like man i've been competing in the world championships i mean like it's right. it's you know it's hardcore i mean you know, yeah. You just hey, yeah let's show up and do a speech and see what happens i mean you're no. like obsessing about it for months and just you know the amount of the amount of practice runs you do is just ridiculous it's crazy you know, it's, yeah but it's almost like a I don't know, it's, it's like an athlete, you know, if they yeah. go into the gym and they work out, they just get stronger and faster, and it it kind of culminates, you know, every year you just get better, but yeah. I think the thing is, especially Dan Jay has taught me, is it is a journey, I mean, you if you think, I mean, look, it happens, people come in in one year and they win, but if you think that you're just going to, you know, yeah. breeze through, <laughs> you got another thing coming, yeah. and it's that character that you build, I think, that, that oh, I really yeah. enjoy, is not just the, the actual it, speaking skill, but the character of competing
0: build you. For well. sure. For sure. I think that that's a great point. That's a phenomenal point. There is a speaker that has a quote that's similar to Joel Dawson. He was in my round yeah. in 2016. Yeah he, yeah. yeah, he talks about um He talks about the character that you have to build to get to that place. And, and you're right. Each month, I remember like going back to my first speech that year in the contest. There was 900 words. It was called like Why Am I Scared? And I recorded it. It was so bad. And each speech right. every month you have to rewrite that speech and do it again. And by the time we got to the, the semifinals, that same speech was six hundred words and not nine hundred and fifty words or nine hundred words. And it was so much it, it was cleaned up so much and I had to have spoke at least twenty five to fifty times. I was I was in Hartsville and I was going around the state, to traveling to South Carolina to different All of the district meetings, all of the the conventions and all those things, I got to go and present that speech at. And also, I went to Charleston, South Carolina. There's a lot of clubs there. And every, you know, three or four times a week, I was going to different clubs and giving this speech and having... Coaches with me and Kelly Sargent was coaching me then, that, but those those processes it reminded me I played football in college as well, and it reminded me just of that grind. I wasn't beating up my body and doing those things, but I would I would stand outside in parks and I bought a tripod for my phone, and I would record myself talking these speeches. These, this five to seven minute speech I would right. record in pieces for thirty to forty minutes at a time, and then watch those clips of myself, you know, and that was. Yeah. It was like you said, it was an obsession and this but that loss, so losing at the World Championship, you know, it it actually it didn't inspire me to keep on, on that journey, but it redirected my path as a human, as a person. And I took those lessons and wow. was like, Wow, let me take control of my life in this way and add value to people and let me really make my living Off of this and and going to chase what I wanted to do at the time and be an entrepreneur and speaking things. So it it didn't take me. I I still didn't have a top three finish or anything. Top 100 is great. But now I've got to really take control of my life because of the journey that I took to get to that world stage.
1: Exactly, and it's. I always think of speaking. It's almost like the ability to drive, right? You know, you can you can kind of use it. that ability to drive in any car that you get into. Speaking yeah. is very similar. You know, once you know how to speak in front of people, yeah. you know how to keep them engaged. It doesn't really matter the environment. You know, you can do it in a business. You can do it in a church. You can do it in a you know whatever it is a stadium. It doesn't really matter because you've got that ability, and you can adapt. right You can you can play with it. You know. So, but I think so many people get stuck where they think I have a fear of it. You know, I I can't, I just avoid it. But once you get, you know, once you get past that fear, it's it's, it's one of the most thrilling things in the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, the fear is what pushes you there. Your brain doesn't know the difference between being nervous and being excited. So if you take that same fear and... Put it into your speech as confidence, then it it really changes you. And you have to be, you know, you have to have a certain sense of self-efficacy to be able to get on stage and present yourself in a fashion that's confident. So you, yeah. you really have to be better as a as a human. Uh, yes. Now, tell me, Daniel, with TED Talks, I've applied for maybe two. Or three mm-hmm. TED talks and got rejected every time. That's yep. that's a process in itself to to go through the process of a TED talk. What what does it take to to go through that piece? We've been talking about Toastmasters. What about what about the TED Talk lane? It's
1: exactly what you you just explained it right there, my friend. You got to keep applying and keep getting rejected until one says <laughs> yes that's exactly you're on the path as yeah. <laughs> Dan and Jay said to me you're on the path brother yeah. that's exactly what I did so I in 2016 I didn't compete the year that you did compete I took mm-hmm. a year off because I just there's two reasons I 2015 I took a really tough loss in the semi-finals and I just I was kind of burned out right. and I just needed to I needed to do other stuff you know and I wanted to do a TEDx I wanted to really get that out there that was one of my goals yeah. so I set a goal in January 2016 that this year I'm going to do a TEDx talk and okay. I applied to, I think, I applied to about 12 by the time I got selected. It was the eighth one or ninth wow. one that I applied to. And it was so funny because I was so used to getting the rejections. That, you know, it was like the email would come in and they'd say, hey, thank you so much for applying. We really value you doing it. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, and I go, oh, man, the one that I got con- uh, selected for, TEDx Temecula, which is about an hour and a half away from where I live here in Orange County, California, it I actually got the email, it was in my inbox and it was on a Sunday afternoon and I saw it there and I thought I can't open it, I can't stomach another rejection right now. (laughs) So I went to the gym instead, I I left the email closed and I went to the gym to burn off some steam. I came back and I'm like, all right, here we go and I opened it and it says, Dear Daniel, thank you for your contribution, congratulations. (laughs) I was like, whoa, I couldn't believe it, i have been picked. And uh, it was just, it was the persistence. But honestly, I would have I applied for 100. I would have kept going. I didn't Until care. you got it. I was determined. And, and here's the thing, the funny thing, which I laugh about now. In, so I, in January, I decided to do a TED Talk that year, right? I had no, I had no gig. I had no, you know, official date of when I was going to do one. But I started going to rotary clubs and corporate uh, meetups and, like, you know, B&I events and things like that. And I would say to them, can I speak at your event because I'm practicing for my TED Talk? Mm. And they'd say, oh, yeah, sure. That'd be great. When's your TED Talk? And I'd say, well, it hasn't been approved yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I haven't actually got the date yet <laughs> because I didn't actually have it. You know, No one right. accepted it. Right. But I was so determined. I, I, I truly believe this. I spoke it into reality. You have to. Just, I, yeah. Just by telling people I'm doing a TED Talk this year, people would say, that's awesome. When is it? Well, I haven't got the date yet, but I'm definitely doing it this year. That's great. Yeah. And when I got it, I did it was uh, October. Okay. October that year. That's how long it took me.
0: Wow. Okay. And I
1: just kept at it. Yeah, so my friend, if you want to do one, and um, I, I would say on that note, not, not trying to say you know one is better than the other, but in terms of uh, recognition in, the, let's say, the real world for TEDx or for Toastmasters, the TEDx brand is so much stronger because of their visibility on YouTube. Yeah, you know, because people share on Facebook and things that you have so much more potential to reach people through mm-hmm. the speaking you do at TED, especially if it's a well-produced video. You know that's important too. You got to have a decent, you know, sort of look, um, and you got to say something of worth, wow. and that's important as well. Yeah. But yeah, the amount of um, speaking opportunities I've had because of that TED talk since 2016 have been phenomenal. You know, so it's really for anyone who wants to bra- you know branch into that professional kind of realm like we have you have to look at doing one at some stage.
0: Right, right. That's a good yeah. That's a good point. Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah wow. so keep at it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's really all a process, you know, and, and it takes it, uh, it presence and engagement of yourself to really make it to that place.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I still have the video on, uh, which I can send to you if like, it's a private link okay. on YouTube of my submission for TEDx Temecula. And I've done, you know, eight or nine by that stage. And you can see in the video I'm kinda of like, I wanna I I wanna speak at your event, it's gonna be great, this is the topic, you know, and I talk about the the exact content of the speech. And I remember at that stage just being so determined, it was like in April or something mm. when I submitted the video, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was crazy. Wow. But yeah, you gotta that's you gotta bring that energy to it, you know, and, and keep on it. Even if the results aren't there. Yeah. You just gotta keep keep going.
0: And that's true for everything you do.
1: 100%, yeah.
0: For everything you do. Well, Daniel, where, where can we find you at? If I'm if I'm listening to the Dash podcast right now, where can I go and find your information and your TED Talks at?
1: Yeah, so the easiest way is just look up, just Google my name, just Daniel Midsen Short, which I'm sure is in the name of the podcast as well. Yeah. Um, and Or you can just go to Midsonshort.com, which is M-I-D-S-O-N-S-H-O-R-T.com. And I'm also on on Instagram and Facebook and all that. You know, you can find me on Twitter as well. You can find me there. Um, and I try to, I'm, I'm actually just going through a little thing. It's the start of June right now. And I've got a little kind of program going where I want to try and write 20 new blog entries because I got a little wow. bit slack the last couple of months with my focus on the contest and work. Okay. And I said, you know what, i I got to recharge my writing and get back into it. So yeah. you know, now's a great time if you, if you want to check out my, my writing or some of my videos. It's, you know, there'll be it's more a good- new stuff, new ideas coming up.
0: It's a good time to do it. Wow. And I need to get back on my game as well. I haven't been in the speaking business as much as I would like to, but I'm starting to get back and searching for some places to go speak and asking people to come say hello. So thank you for your inspiration, sir, and your motivation.
1: Thank you. You're so welcome. And thank you for yours. I love following your journey. I'm always pumped when I see one of your videos or posts. Likewise.
0: It's great. Likewise. Likewise. It's fun. We'll have to do it again. And I'm sure we'll, we'll stay in touch between that. And for everybody listening, thank you for tuning in to the Dash podcast. Take the time to like this, share it, and take some time to make a comment. What would you think? Well, how about this process? Are you willing to go through the journey? What is your journey? We'll see you next time. This is The Dash.